Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to today's podcast. I am super excited you are here and to introduce our very special guest today. This podcast series is part of the Courage in a Crisis series, which is a small series that I've put together where I've reached out to experts that I know and said, hey, I need to get you to come on. Please come and chat to our community and tell us what do we need to do at the moment, particularly during COVID-19 in the pandemic. And for a lot of our listeners who are experts in their field is we're really sort of trying to learn from experts who have been around for some time. Perhaps they've been through GFCs and all that sort of stuff. And what did you learn during that time that perhaps you're applying now? And what do we do during this time to really get through and not just survive, but to be able to thrive? So I have a very special guest today to who's sharing their insights on that. In the meantime, a few things that I'm noticing at the moment, we've been doing a lot of work with people, experts, and helping them to backfill on some of the collaterals that they've been doing. I noticed that some of them were going okay pre-COVID-19, like they were actually sort of selling because they were delivering really well. And now some of that work has dropped off, work has been delayed to next year. And so they're getting in and creating the collaterals they should have done, websites, newsletters, (laughs) landing pages, brochures, all those types of things, which is great because which is exactly what they should be doing now. So if you're wondering what do I do at this time, you need to really look at your collaterals and have you got the suite of collateral that you need for all the programs you're delivering and wanting to deliver because, and there's a big reason why I say this, there's a couple of clients I've been working with who have thought they've needed to pivot because that's what everybody's talking about they need to do. And they actually don't need to pivot. They just actually need to finish off some of the things they were supposed to be doing. So my encouragement to you is to really look at Have you done everything and is it possible that you could still have clients delivering the work that you've already built? Do you actually need to pivot because you could be pivoting and losing a lot of time? And have you really looked at your tribe? Have you really reached out to them? Have you really connected with them to see what they need help with? And if you haven't done that already, it's probably a good time to do that. But now we've come out of support, connection, but now it's time to really think strategically about what you're doing. Victoria's gone into lockdown for six weeks. New South Wales has announced greater restrictions today. So now is the time to really start thinking about, okay, I think the first round when all this was happening, I I think people kind of thought, oh, this will go away after a few weeks. And I don't know whether they sort of realized the impact that it was going to have, but we're in second round now of this and second wave, if you like, is being announced at the moment. And so we really got to take this seriously. And it means that you, in your practice, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It means that you need to just think strategically about what you're doing and get in and stay connected to your community, keep educating, get on top of your content. And if you're not already, then now is a good time to jump on a content creation bootcamp or 
Content Club, come join us. If you're struggling with the focus and getting it done, then now is the time to jump on and come and join us so I can hold the space for you and help you to get some stuff done and get focused. But with that in mind, this series has been about reaching out, as I said to people we know in our community, and say, hey, can you come on and have a chat and tell us a bit about what you're doing and what we should do at this time? So some really experienced people in our community. One of those people is the one and only Darren Hill. So Darren is actually a behavioural scientist. He's part of the Thought Leaders alumni and community and uh, based on the Gold Coast with his wife, Allie, they have a business called Pragmatic Thinking where their focus is really around creating high-performance cultures for organisations. They have made the Australian Financial Review's Fast 100 uh, list for three years running, making it one of Australia's fastest-growing businesses. Darren's been a published author, published in multiple languages, regular in, you know, Sky Business, Channel 9, the Financial Review. And he also happened to have won in 2018 the Australian Educator of the Year from the Professional Speakers Association. And he says that that's a remarkable feat considering the only person who can read his writing on a whiteboard is his executive assistant, which is hilarious. So, Enjoy this interview with Darren today. He's been super generous with his time and his expertise because he's not only sold to large corporates, he is a large organization and corporate himself, but he's also built a personal brand and he totally gets it. So jump on the interview, take a listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments. Please reach out. I'd love to hear what you learned and what was the biggest insight you got. And equally, Darren is more than happy to connect. So make sure you listen to at the end how you can connect with him. I look forward to hearing how you're going. Hang in there during this time and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Enjoy. Welcome. Thank you so much, Darren Hill, for joining us, our very special guest this evening. We know how much you have on your plate and you are super busy, obviously, with COVID and all the things that are happening. So really appreciate your generosity for jumping on and having a quick chat to us tonight. Thanks, Jane. I've had nothing on it. I don't know about anyone else. This whole crisis thing, I mean, we've just been... (laughs) Laying around in sun lounges doing nothing the whole time, haven't Drinking we? Drinking pina coladas. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Life on the Gold Coast is pretty good. Oh, <laughs> we managed to tap into a little bit of that in the earliest of days. I think for a lot of people, and you're probably the same, is mm-hmm. it made you reconnect with the things that were really important when you had a bit of clutter forcibly taken away. And so we probably in the first four weeks, swum every single day, every evening with kids down at the beach. And so there were some of those lovely little moments that were really precious about what's been a pretty, in some cases, traumatic experience. So, yeah. Yeah. You didn't quite put together your Netflix list or anything like Uh, that? There's a fair share of binging and stuff went on. and, (laughs) And look, it's not all Peter positive. Like there were some times when... We harboured some serious doubt for our business and people who work for us and it wasn't easy, Mm. but in amongst that stuff, it wouldn't be walking your talk unless you could find some opportunity and find some possibility within the challenge. So, yeah, Mm. so we found a bit of both, yeah. So, Darren, my thinking was tonight, and for everybody who's listening, you've had a little bit about um, Darren and Ali Hill's business. So you have darrenhill.com and Ali has Ali Hill. So you have both practices, but you also have a business which is called Pragmatic Thinking as well. So you've got these three big pieces to your business. We have businesses and practices. 
And I think for a lot of us, for a lot of us who are listening to this, we have lots of people who listen who have practices who are experts in their own space and certainly have, have listened to you and seen you speak and we have lots of people who haven't heard about you but we also work a lot with organizations and helping leaders who are change makers so they kind of get a sense of the work that you do you work with some of the at least in australia but some of the world's most leading organizations and government departments to help them build leadership capability and building cultures that really thrive particularly through change so the key things that I wanted to ask you are probably twofold tonight. Is so far this series is all about a courage in a crisis. Yep. And I wanted to ask you from two perspectives. I wanted to ask you what particularly have you been through in your own business and practices? Because most of us are speakers, coaches, trainers, consultants in some kind of space. So what have you been through in your own business and based on what you're happy to share in your own practice? And then on the other side, I also wanted to tap into your obvious incredible expertise as a behavioral scientist to see if you have any advice for us as well and for leaders in organizations going through this. So I sort of thought there's two sides that I thought I'd really love to tap into tonight, if that's okay. So, um, yeah, sounds so good. it's great to hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So are you happy to share with us a little bit about your business and your practices and how they work and the type of work that you typically do with organisations? So our business, Pragmatic Thinking, is a behaviour and motivation strategy company. So Alison and my wife and myself formed that company. And prior to COVID, we had about 15 or 16 in the team. Unfortunately, we were one of those industries along with, say, travel and events and so on, the vast, vast majority of our work was done face-to-face. And so basically, I'll never forget the dates of March the 13th, 14th, 15th and 16th, where it it was that Friday and then it just felt like every day got progressively worse, like the mm-hmm. Prime Minister had come on and make another series of announcements and we basically seen 12 months worth of work disappear in smoke in four days. So it was pretty brutal to say the least when you've spent not your life's work, but you've spent the best part of your life's work building something you're really proud of and that you still see enormous value in and something completely like not in our wildest dreams could we imagine what that was going to be like even the best risk assessors in the world couldn't have really predicted it at that extent and so we found ourselves really staring at oblivion in those earliest of days wondering how long is this going to be coupled on top of that in our own family. So Alison's dad lives with us and he was in his 10th round of chemo. And so it was was a mid 70 year old gent. So we were in the highest of highest risk categories when COVID first hit. So we were sitting in this space of our business was kind of like had all revenue had ceased overnight, but we also had to take these restrictions incredibly seriously. And so it was a really challenging time. And We've always taken what some would consider a fairly conservative approach to business. So we've always tried to grow and maintain a profit as part of our business model. So some business models are grow as fast as you can and run at a loss and tip everything back into it and leverage your equity and do all that kind of stuff. But along the way, what we were was smart and intelligent and it was probably only in these times where it, it 
gave us enough cash in the business and enough foundation in the business to be able to make some intelligent decisions and make some not completely reactionary decisions. And unfortunately, we had to, some of our staff, we had to give notice to, but every single one of those people have since obtained work and a couple of them actually got pay rises. So they did well and none of them were particularly... They didn't want to leave. They were great team members and I'd hire any one of them back in a heartbeat. But um, it showed their talent and character that they were able to do that. But we had to downsize by four people, which none of that we wanted to do and it was really tough. But what comes out of that is innovation and we I don't think we've ever been asleep at the wheel in what we do, but I'd also say we probably innovated in the space of a couple of months more than what we did in two years. And so that's been a blessing in some ways, but we've had to really look at the costs of our business and we've embraced a full distributed work model as a result of COVID. So we've shut down one of our physical offices and I'm hearing stories from clients now about that's what they're attempting to do as well. So in some ways, we're a couple of steps in front of what our clients are trying to do and some of the programs we've developed are helping them with that need as well as almost us as a live laboratory, how we're running a distributed culture and also combining what we already knew about human behaviour. And I might talk a bit later about motivation and natural Mm. curves and practices that would be happening for the listenership within here that happens when we face a crisis. So we had some already, I guess, gathered knowledge and then we put with that the lived experience of us embracing that which our clients are doing and in some ways we get to be this wonderfully fast and agile um, Mm. testing ground, a minimum viable product for our clients to then learn from us as we're learning and making the mistakes for them before they hit them. (laughs) So yeah, it's been some blessings and there's been some real challenges amongst what's been a just an extraordinary time. So Yeah. There's a couple of things there, Darren, I think you've commented on. So I think even having a training, coaching, consulting business of 15, 16 staff, I think it's a pretty big achievement even retracting but retracting even you've still got 12 staff from Mm -hmm. there so I think that's really interesting because there's a lot of people that I'm speaking to training consulting businesses a lot of them have to retract a lot more staff than that so I think it's a real testament to your agility and being able to work out what are the problems we need to solve. We had this really bizarre day where we got notified by the Australian Financial Review that we'd made the Fast 100 list for the third consecutive edition on the same day we had to give notice to four staff. Oh, wow. So it was one of those crazy days that you just, you couldn't celebrate it. You still can't celebrate it in many ways. I guess it's evidence of a business that we'd built and run effectively on the same principles that we talk to our clients about around leadership and culture and value and all those things. But then, yeah, that should have been a massive marketing day for us and talking about what we'd achieved. And we simultaneously got named on the Asian Financial Times, Asia PAC region in their Fast 500. We, so oh, we really? I didn't know that. that. So, so, yeah, so we had those. But well, yeah, and again, it's congratulations seems like a really bizarre word at this point because we're all still trying to find a way, and it feels like it was, I guess, a label from a previous world 
but it was that really bizarre experience of kind of we got it and I won't say we're deflated by it, but just went, ah, oh, okay, that was the old world and here's the new challenge. So yeah. it hasn't been easy, but there's some green shoots ahead and we choose a word every year as a business. So I know yes. that there's probably some practices that a lot of people follow, like I know our mutual mate Rowdy McLean and Jason Fox and a bunch of others over the years have talked about the power of one word and certainly I've been doing yes. it for years. But our business, we choose a word for the year that's our contextual beacon. You know, it's the thing that we sort of hold out. And this year, which we said in January, now I don't know whether right. everyone can blame us for coronavirus, but our word we chose was anti-fragile. So it was all about how will we get stronger from setbacks? And we talked about welcoming the setbacks to be stronger and bloody hell, we got ourselves a hell of a setback (laughs) to learn from. I'm not going to get hate mail off this because they all think that I started it. I wasn't at the wet market in China. Yeah, we're we're hanging for a good new word next year, Dustin. Yeah, that's right. Me too. But truthfully, we've dialed that up even more with our team now and even Mm -hmm. as early as yesterday with the team, we were reinforcing and talking about there are amongst the chaos and the the upheavals, there are opportunities and there is a chance to be stronger and Mm -hmm. any fragile thinking is very much about not bouncing back but bouncing forward and being a stronger, more resilient business and learning lessons we could have never learnt otherwise if we weren't exposed to the stress. So it's serving us. There's a fair bit of irony in it, but, yeah, that word's never been more powerful for us now than ever. Wow. And, Darren, is there anything that you've done in particular in your own with your business overall or as part of your practices that you think has made the biggest difference in just particularly retaining so many staff I think is a a real achievement, particularly when so much of your business is training and consulting. If you had to say if there was a couple of things or anything in particular, is there anything that you feel like has made that's allowed your business to stay as viable and as relevant as it is at the moment and still be able to keep that going? Yep. Probably a few things. I'll throw up three things. So the first one was that we deeply understood the language of what our business was. So as founders of our business is that the language of our business is the numbers that underpin it. So we needed to know our cash position. We needed to know how much we were spending on staff and how much it, all those kind of numbers. And we were really dialed into that. And that was even more so our focus in the first week of corona really hitting us and we understood the magnitude of what we were facing was to make sure that we knew our numbers inside and out because then that allowed us to make intelligent early decisions rather than misplaced ones and so if it's people listening to this call or watching this it's understanding what the language of their team is or their business is now it might be if they're a founder they should damn well know the numbers But if it's a marketing team, it might be, well, no, you're cutting the language of your customer or so on and so on. So that would probably be the first thing is that we deeply understood the language of our business. The second thing I would say in our approach to it was that we moved really fast. So we didn't dilly-dally around. We made decisions and went, even if this is the wrong one, I think a wrong decision made quickly is forgiven and no one really forgives a decision that is 
not made. So we made them quickly and that was to make some decisions around what value we would be to our clients as well as some of our staffing decisions and so on. So we moved with speed. And then the last one I think would be to make sure that we had a relevant mindset and persona for the time. And I've talked to a few clients about this and this might ring a bell for some listeners or people viewing this. But early in crisis and early in trauma of any kind whatsoever, optimism isn't, it is in the mix. So it, say isn't. it isn't, no, optimism is great on everything, but it's not good on grief. And so if you've ever lost someone close to you in those early days, you don't want to hear that there'll be better days. You don't want to hear that there's another fish in the sea. Like if you've had a relationship breakdown, you don't want your girlfriend or your mate coming around saying, oh, don't worry, there's plenty more around because you're grieving. And so what you want is practical support. So when a friend loses someone close to them, you turn up with a meal. You turn up to just help. And in the most basic and practical ways is the most appreciated. So in the early days, the same applies to when we handle that as leaders. If there's been a crisis, and there'll be others, or maybe not as big as corona, but I'm sure there's going to be significant restructures. There's going to be losses of markets. There's going to be shutdowns of businesses as the ripple effect continues for a long period of time after this. Hmm. And so there'll be aftershocks of grief and loss. And so those times close to that aren't the times to be optimistic. They're the times to be realistic and to be practical and be useful. And to be honest, that was part of, and I won't say frustration because I understand it, but in the very earliest of days, people were trying to be optimistic and they were trying to be kind and they were trying to be a lot of things, which is all really useful. But even, for example, well wishes at a time of a funeral tell me when you've had that experience, you kind of just get a bit over it. But the yeah. person who turns around and says, mate, I can see that your lawn needs mowing or I dropped this food around because you probably haven't been out. They're the ones that you go, that was awesome. And yeah. so there comes a time after the grief and trauma where optimism is ready. And so we're really only at this point talking really vocally and loudly with our team around there are better days ahead and there is a great future because it would have been an incredibly insensitive message when you're potentially having to let people go or you're reducing their hours and you're talking about, oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. So Mm -hmm. just checking the temperature and with your clients as well, if they are going through grief and trauma and loss is making sure that you choose when to be optimistic. I think that time's about now for most industries, although there'll be some that'll be earlier and later in that grief and loss cycle, I think. Yeah, there just seems, I guess, different to things like when GFC happened, it sort of seems so across the board, but this time it's so many different industries. Some are absolutely thriving, others are really struggling. So it's also probably, I don't know if you're finding this, but I'm finding even the clients and the people I'm working with is, that cycle is just so dramatically different regardless of who you're speaking with. It's, hang on, I've got to work out what is the temperature check. I've got to work out who am I actually working with because it's affected so many people, some positively, and in a way they're going, this is just extraordinary. We're trying to keep up. And then others, they're going, I've lost everything. I don't have a business or I don't even know what to do. They're feeling a bit bewildered and a little bit lost. Does you talked about a couple of things that I think that's what I love about this time is that 
one of the first things that you did, I remember, which is why we're on this call, is you just reached out and said, hey, I don't know if I can help, but I'm here if I can give you a hand, happy to jump on a podcast, happy to do whatever I can to help. So that's why we're sitting here. So I love that you just actually this. <laughs> Which I, is so I, was, I was just lonely, mate. I was just I was sick of the sound of my own voice. I was just going, does anyone want to talk to me? Does anyone want to talk to me? <laughs> and certainly for yourself and Ali, you're really known in the industry for us, in the experts industry, speakers, consultants, is your generosity. You're always willing to share. And I think that reputation really builds a lot of trust, particularly at times like this. Don't And then you started to touch on some of the things that, so we've got kind of leaders who are change makers, so whether they've got their own practice, this particular work a lot with leaders and senior leaders in organisations if they're responsible for change. And so quite often that's helping them with things like content for intranet platforms, how they need to communicate with their teams. I mean, this is your expertise as a behavioural scientist. You started to touch a little bit on the curve and coming out of trauma and do you have any advice for people whether they're in their own practice or leaders in organizations who are just trying to navigate all this and work out where to start and what do I do and some of our listeners are solopreneurs and on their own some are on their own but maybe have one or two staff if they're practitioners but for other leaders in organizations they're dealing with a broader range of staff but Do you have any advice for us based on your expertise around this space? You know how humans operate (laughs) and we do interesting things at times like this. Um, Open to anything you could share. Look, I think truthfully we're all just making it up. Like this is a once in a hundred year event, so I won't stand here saying that I've got a double PhD dissertation in COVID response or anything. (laughs) No one has. No one on the planet has. But there are some, as much as this is a novel experience, like there's no one on the planet that can genuinely, oh, I guess, so what, 1918 was, was Spanish influenza, which is probably the closest known global experience we've got to this. So maybe there might be a 110-year-old who might have some faint childhood memories of it or something, but let's put that tiny little group aside and say that no one has got this experience so no one has any deep lived experience around it so all we can do is come back to some time-honored patterns and some of those patterns we'll tend to see is that when we get exposed to novel events is that there's a couple of predictable responses from humans whether they're individuals or teams and the first of those is that you have a novelty period it's new and it's different and it's fresh. And so, for example, when we all had to work from home, not just the old work from home where I'm Sally and I had to work from home because I wanted to go and attend little Billy's preschool graduation or I was Barry and I worked from home because I had a project that was due and I just needed to zero in and have no distraction. We talked to a this permanent work from home model which got enforced on us really quick and In early days, most people, because it was novel and it's new, that produces a change in energy and our curiosity sparks. And so for a lot of people, they're going, how good's this? Like, even though I know the whole world's crashing down, but like, look at me go. And so that's the first response. And then the second that comes with that is an adrenaline response to crises. So after those first early days, we started to go, how do I map a plan? And it needs to be short term. Like I'm not talking about five-year plans. I'm talking about just the next month or I'm talking about the next couple of weeks. And so 
filled with the rocket fuel of adrenaline, all of a sudden our productivity just skyrocketed. So everyone started to probably talk about, hey, I'm not spending an hour on a commute. I'm not dealing with this and this. So look at me go and look how much I'm putting out. And we actually questioned for ourselves whether this is how life should be. And I'm sure you've probably seen that around the socials where people go, oh, my God, like this is, why don't we work like this forever? Yeah, exactly. But there are also states that are fueled by, like the first state's fueled by curiosity, which is because I haven't seen it before. I'm interested. The second one is adrenaline, which we know is like a jet fuel. It burns out really fast. And that's where people have probably had that experience over the last month or two is as they've come off that state that you just can't simply maintain and you have that waning motivation where you start to go, now I've knocked over those things. I've lined up those ducks in the early days. What do I want this thing to be now? And so I guess the advice would be as we follow that natural curve is to rewrite that motivation curve for ourselves before we start to head into a lowered productivity and a lowered self-worth state because if we stay down there too long, and this isn't a dissimilar experience to, you know, the fabulous coaching that you do, Jane, with people who come out of expertise and want to form their practices to give value to the world is let's look at that again, is that early days is it's novel. I'm working from home. I work from a coffee shop. Like I've got my own MacBook Pro and I'm <laughs> look at me go, you know. And then second thing is they probably start to go, oh, okay, I don't have this consistent paycheck or my redundancy payment's finished or I've got this and holy crap, I better get into gear so we get crisis and we start to go bang, 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 bang. And then all of a sudden we can't survive on that fuel over the longer term and that's where you probably find some of your clients and community when they first come to you. They can be in that lowered productivity and lowered self-worth state because so much of our identity is tied to our work as it's a third of our lives. And in many cases, if you go into solo practice, well, it's not a third anymore. It's more like two-thirds. But all of a sudden, because they're not getting the results, then they're questioning who they are and what value they have to the world. And that's where someone like yourself gets them to believe in themselves again and get them back on track and contributing value to the world. So part of it would be just to recognize that if you're on that downward trajectory off that adrenaline high is that you can reestablish that motivation by chunking things down into smaller spaces like by shelving some of your grand plans and just coming back to being useful. And one of the big traps is that I think I tend to see, and this would apply equally for entrepreneurs, the people still working inside organisations as it does to the solo consultant or the small consultant space, thought Mm -hmm. leader space, is that we go into wanting to create ideas and the common mistake is that they try and divorce themselves of what they've been doing. So they've been in real estate. So they go, the reason why I become a thought leader is because I don't want to work in real estate anymore. Like I'm sick of it. And they try and sell into something else of which they don't really have an understanding of. They might have an opinion of, but they don't have a deep understanding of it. Or they come out of government and they go, I want to be in private practice. Or they go into private practice and they go, no, I want to be in government. And eventually what I tend to see from those or for the internal person, it's, well, I don't want to do anything with sales anymore. I want to do stuff with the product team or I want to do this. And so we try and soothe our pain by moving away from what it is where we can give the most value because it's the pain that teaches us the lessons and those lessons can be shared. And so one of the things I would say is go back to what you know, what you have the most lived time in 
and right. give value back to that audience. Wow, great advice. I love this. So just to recap on what you said, so you said coming out of this time where the no we've come out of novelty, then we're going, okay, now I'm in this possible lull, so I'm at a risk of staying down here if I don't do something with this. And yep. so start to get this trajectory moving up, which is around chunking down. So it's easy to feel really overwhelmed, isn't it? Like you've just got so so much totally. to do. The last um, thing you should be doing now is building your app that's going to take three months or six months to do and then it's going to take a marketing cycle of another three or six months is what yeah. you've got to get back to doing is going, what do people need now that I am connected to? Yeah. So whether this is I'm working internally in an organisation and if I go, our organisation just suffered massive cutbacks in this section, then give value to that section yeah. and come back to minimum viable testing ground. So come up with the concept and sell the concept. If I'm internally in an organisation, come up with the solution and get enough of the key champions on board that it's going to move. Don't build it. Like build it once it's got an audience. And that's what I mean by chunking down is the worst space and place is that, and even for mine, people mistakenly and i'm sure it happened for a lot of people is that now because the work's not on what i'll do is i'll write a book and I'll I'll my but what i'm saying is there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as what you're doing is not making that anything that's long term in its focus when everything else in the world's gone short term it's like oil and water so produce stuff quickly test it okay. see whether it's working and if it's not working test something else but the challenge what you could end up doing is whilst you might write that book and it could be sensational, what happens if you go broke before you can even get the chance to publish it? And what happens if, as you know and we know by producing a range of books, is they need a certain energy that you don't write a book and the whole world just turns up. You need to promote it and you need to put capital and you need to put effort behind it. And if you can't feed the kids then it's not really going to work so that's where i'd say chunk it down and be of real practical value in these times anyway so i love that and i think it's one of the things for some of the other series we've talked a little about is being relevant and looking at who you're actually in some cases we called it the give a shit strategy so yep. <laughs> don't worry about you like now's the time that yeah you can create some content and things like that but big projects it's not the time to start your podcast not the time to start writing a new book it's pull yep. your database out pull your list out pull the people names of the people that you've been working with work out they've got specific problems right now and working out what is it that okay maybe you haven't delivered it in this way but go out and ask them go and talk to them and the only way you can find out and one of the fears, Darren, I think a lot of people, are, there's still a bit of overhang of this. I don't know if you're noticing as people going, oh, but everyone says they're so busy at the moment and everyone doesn't have time to talk to me, so I'll just go and do these other things. Do you have any advice around that where there's that fear of I'm going to be annoying, I fear that I'm going to be bothering people, people don't have time to talk to me, but I want to be able to help. But do you think that's a cop-out or do you think it's something that really is happening? I still have it as a voice in my head, but it's not, doesn't necessarily, like just because a narrative or a belief is tenacious doesn't make it real. 
So, like, I've been telling myself stories for my whole life. Like, I've always had a little voice that says I'm lazy. I think there's enough evidence to say that I'm not, but it's still there. So when I turn around and say, oh, but maybe I'm bothering that person, that's a voice in our head, but it doesn't mean there's got any reality attached to it. So, yeah, to answer that question of what should people be doing there. And, and I was sharing this with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Rowan Dredge. He's just such a world-class human being and just a man of just tremendous character. He's one of those people that I lean on in times of crisis myself because I just know he's got such moral fibre and he's just such a good human being. But I was talking to him about that leaders in a crisis don't find themselves, they find a way. And that's yes. true... Like people talk about servant leadership all the time, but when push comes to shove, it's in the fair weather times when leaders can take a breath and go, how do I want to reinvent myself? What do I want to discover about myself? What do I do that? But in times of crisis, you just find a way. And you may be the leader of one. You might be a solo practitioner and that's it, but equally you're going to need to lead and then you're going to need to lead your customer. And I'd come back to that is you need to find a way. And so your question of, is it a cop-out? Yeah, it is. It's driven by a belief that can feel really real, even though it's not. But it's not our decision to make on whether we're a bother or not. That's the other person's decision. And it's none of my business, really, to make that decision for them. So if I believe that I can find a way towards a better solution or pathway for them, then why am I standing in the road of that? And that's not some trumped up sales kind of like, Jordan Belfort-esque kind of now thing. Now be the right time to, to buy my thing. <laughs> yeah, amp myself up or anything. But it is, if I truly believe and I genuinely think that this is value for them, then they're busy, of course, and that should be exactly the reason why I might persist and try and contact them a couple of times to see whether mm-hmm. it's there for them. But I guess a lot of that, if we're to measure it up, will be the value they've given to that audience previously is that at those times, like we look at someone like Keith Abraham, what a legend he is and how well he looks after his community or Amanda Stevens. And I'm sure when they picked up the phone or they sent an email, people were just so glad to hear from them. And that comes through caring and not just trying to build a list and then just hammer them when you need something from them. So I think in those times they get responses And one of the things we talk a little bit about, even just in our community and on the podcast a lot, we talk a lot about the shift in mindset from we're not, you're not a marketer, you're a leader. And if you can shift the mindset from your newsletter is not marketing, it's leading. Your phone calls are not marketing, they're leading. Is if we can shift that mindset of, because otherwise that's called spam. (laughs) And we're not spammers. We're here to help and we're here to support and, yes, this is what we do for a living. But I love what you say there, Darren, is that just not to listen. I think Matt Church says this a lot, is not the voice in your head and to be able to be conscious and aware of, okay, is that helpful, is it not? And to be able to go, okay, well, I I don't even know. I don't even know if that's the case. I'm coming with a whole lot of assumptions that may not be useful or helpful. It's just about, well, just show up. Just show up. It's, it's, <laughs> and, I'll tell you a little secret. Yeah. It's all made up. It's all made up. Like this wonderful brain that we have that creates these 
voices and narratives in our head is it's all fiction. Like it's all just the interplay of neurons that create these things that are called stories that they are only real if we believe them to be. And 70 odd thousand years ago, we underwent this magnificent cognitive revolution as a species where we could talk and communicate and draw with each other about abstract. So instead of us having to teach Jane about the dangers of a lion by going down and watching someone else get eaten, we could draw it on a cave wall and communicate to each other. And that was our development is we're able to talk in regards to fiction based off reality. And the challenge is that a lot of those voices that exist in people's heads taught to us by others and by society and so on. And I guess the great enlightening thing is that when we understand that it is fiction, we understand that we can pick up our own pen and write our own story. So... Darren, you've been so generous in everything that you've shared tonight for us, particularly in terms of just your own story and your own business. And huge congrats to you. And whilst it might not feel like the time to celebrate, I know for many in our community, you have huge admiration for yourself and Ali and the pragmatic thinking business. So we're all uh, in awe of you still. And whilst it might not feel like it's celebratory time, we are still all cheering you on and really thrilled for you with that. And and also, I think during this time, even that award is really showing why you are a well-deserved recipient of that because when we talk about branding, as you know, we talk a lot about personal brand. Personal brand is made up of three things, clarity, communication and control. And control is all about when things go wrong. And that's the true authenticity and realness of a brand. And I think you and Ali can certainly hang your hat on that one and say you really do step up when things aren't going to plan. So thank you so much Uh, for that. That's very, very kind, mate. Thank you. Yeah, very kind. My pleasure. And also, thank you so much for walking through what we as leaders can do to become more aware about our own experiences, our own feelings and emotions that we're going through during this time and take personal responsibility to come off that curve or come up into the feeling like we're getting some control back over what's going on in terms of a time that feels like we have no control over what's happening. But being able to love your advice here around chunking down, being useful and finding ways to be able to really provide that practical support for people at the moment and get attention out as opposed to perhaps a little bit of attention in at the moment and a bit of self-love along the way. (laughs) It's not, none of it's rocket science, but yeah, again, I come back to we're all making it up. This is a new experience for all of us, but It's a good time for common sense and older style wisdom, you know. So best place to go to, I think, when none of us really know the way is to come, like if we've got a map and we don't really know which way is up, start by looking for north. (laughs) Start by getting the grid in place and what's longitude and latitude. And so they're just big constant patterns and it's a bit the same as this is none of us really know. But if we come back to the constant patterns of care about your audience, move fast, don't go away and navel gaze for too long and just be useful and valuable and find a damn way. Like, they're pretty useful, <laughs> I think. To, yeah, and yeah. stick to strengths. Like, I love that yep. you said come back to what it is, is your expertise, who you know, what you know and how you can be most useful too. So yeah. thank you so much. 
if people will be listening to this soon and then also even as we start to make this progress back with whatever virtual looks like, a bit of hybrid, a bit of whatever, if people want to get in touch with you, because actually you and Ali have created this fantastic studio that you've created for your virtual experience, working with organisations to do that, which is amazing. You're really leading the way in creating a really phenomenal highly engaged experience for teams and leaders and working with them to do that. So if people want to get in touch with you and so you're still doing plenty of virtual training, which is a lot of this big shift that you're doing and then virtual speaking, some of the conferences are starting to look like they're starting to come back and things like that. If people want to work with you and engage with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, it's just go to the website, pragmaticthinking.com and you'll see all of that virtual offering. And from all the, I guess, the trend analysis that we've seen and from the surveys of clients that we currently deal with and also the ones that we've been researching as much as we can is that we, I've heard wildly varying numbers, but virtual, like a live virtual facilitated experience is here to stay. I think most people understand that and the numbers certainly back it up. So yeah, for us personally, we invested big time into that. So yeah, I'll put all humility aside for a second and go, yeah, I think we are leading the way in what we've created. And we've got a couple of step changes that we're going to do there because we just feel like this is a brand new industry that's been created and it won't go away. And we're also seeing how content delivery can be really beautifully seated between face-to-face training and virtual. So I think that face-to-face will start to become much more around the experience and much more around the emotional connection. And I think mm. as far as teaching goes and content, then I think virtual is going to handle a lot of that platform because it is a really useful tool to be led in real time by an expert yeah. in this context with a group, I think is going to be the future of learning. So we've had a good crack at that and people can check it out, what we've done on the site and we've got a series of other innovations that we'll be bringing over the coming months to continue to push and see how far that platform can go. We've been even down to the minutiae of going which camera angles work for certain types of content to how to use the neuroscience of learning against like using camera one or three or four or so on. So it's been radical and I, yeah, I genuinely feel as though it's a space and place for all thought leaders to deeply consider how they adjust their offerings because COVID could really do laps around this planet for the next couple of years or could mutate or could, and I don't mean to be a doomsdayer, but we need to be smart around this is that people are still going to run businesses and do it socially isolated and they'll need help and they'll need to solve brand new problems and who better to do that than the people who are listening and watching this. So if we can be adaptable and agile and embrace the new world of virtual, I think that we can, number one, keep our our relevance here but number two is we can come back to that thing of just being really useful so that's where we're investing a lot of time and effort of course we're going to be back doing face-to-face stuff because we do it really well but i think that there's going to be a big need for businesses over a period of time to run stuff virtually as well so yeah at first it was kind of like oh okay yeah i can just do that on zoom but the more you're working with it you more you work out 
actually that doesn't work it's different based. It's it's people really and that way and it's such a wading through a lot of quicksand for some yeah. and um, i think we're all for those who are listening if you feel like that's the case then uh, you're in good company and we're all kind of going through it as Jess and making it up as we go. But for those, if you're thinking about trying to create a great experience for your team, then I'd highly recommend jump on, have a look yeah, at what check it out. Have a sticky bee. Yeah. Yeah, like, even for yeah. experts, have a look, jump on and have a look. You've done an incredible job and really thrilled that you've been able to adapt and stay relevant and to be able to help, still continue to help the people that you're helping and, so thank you so much for jumping on and for all your generosity and insights and just caring to jump on. It's awesome. Oh, thank, thank you, you mate. So Alison probably thanks you because I've annoyed someone else having a yarn for, <laughs> with you for a period of time. She's probably sick of the sound of me. So, so yeah. <laughs> oh, Hi to Ali and thanks so much. I'll put all the links in. So if you're working out where the links are, they'll be on the website and jump on to pragmaticthinking.com and .com and .com.au. Yeah, just pragmatithinking.com. I think .com.au will send you to the same area. And then, uh, yeah, it's alisonhill.com.au and darrenhill.com.au. It's not .com. I think that'll get you some American real estate guy. And, okay. Yeah, so, so whoever. I, I wasn't snappy enough in the early days to grab that one. But, uh, um, yeah, so. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jane. Um, hopefully we'll see you again down the track. And uh, so remember those. Remember when COVID hit and... Ah, good <laughs> old days. Yeah, yeah. Remember those <laughs> days. So uh, yeah. thanks again. Uh, great to have you. No on. worries, mate. You. Thank you.